how's your um how's your beard technology um, my beard technology is pretty good internally. I mean, I'm losing pigmentation in my beard. So, I mean, some system is quote unquote failing in there. Um, but I feel like bright and reflective surfaces on a face um, are actually kind of helpful and break up um, the the more monochrome aspects of, of a human face. So in that way, it's doing well. I saw a, friend, a good friend recently I hadn't seen in a few months and uh you know I, I i've gone in and out of having a beard i had a big beard i don't know seven years ago and then i had trimmed it a bit and definitely had a beard for most of covid and got kind of scraggly and saw her recently and it's it's a it's such a major shift for folks um yeah for for you know men and, and people who can grow beards um whether we have them or not, even with a good friend, it was like she was sort of shocked to still see me without one because in her mind, I think she had stored all these memories of me with one. So I was like, yeah, no, I actually haven't had a beard for quite a while now. But. Yeah, it can be deeply traumatizing for um, uh, for children, for people on the spectrum. It can actually be like wildly discombobulating. I think for that same reasons of like setting a pattern and then rupturing it as relates to identity. Um, yeah it's the the shape yeah the form your whole form has shifted yeah yeah i just experienced a version of that this week when my gastroenterologist's uh, office uh finally went mask optional um i don't know somewhere the past couple of weeks and the people behind the desk who have interacted with on multiple occasions over like a six multiple occasions over about six month period maybe longer um, I finally saw everybody's faces. I've never seen their faces before. Had no idea what they looked like, you know, other than a vague sense of what they looked like. Um, they knew my face because I usually came in without a mask. And then we typically had a conversation before masking. And um, yeah, it's a, it is discombobulating. Um, it's a strange, it's a strange uh, maneuver. I don't know if that gets us to the question of the day. Is tech, what is it? Alex, is technology evil? Is that the question? Mm, what was our question? This is totally classic. Yeah. I'm Brendan McNamara. That's uh, the person not talking right now is Andy Swindler. And uh, every week we interrogate anything we're curious about, um, which especially any area in which people seem uh, especially interested, divided, or inflamed uh, so as to better model i think for ourselves in our own daily existence as well as uh, for anyone listening um how imminently possible it is to have conversations with people about um things that you other people may tell you to be afraid of um and have no fear uh curiosity is here so this week we're asking uh, a question for a, the second time uh part two uh following up last week's episode on uh, technology um but I just can't remember if it was the question was, is, is technology bad or is it is technology evil? <laughs> or is technology good? I don't even remember which the actual question is. Hmm. We it's it's our show, so we get to decide. Let's just go with is technology. Hmm. I mean, yes. All right. Good episode. Good episode. We're done. <laughs> yeah, this is a pretty discombobulated uh kind of day so maybe that's some kind of segue into 
how is technology impacting us? I, I feel scattered a lot of the time mm. and, and I'm prone to instinctively attribute some of that te to technology. And I feel like that's what some of the research reveals. Um, Certainly exacerbating, I think, pre-existing conditions is my best, is my best guess as to what's happening. Almost like a virus, you know, I think it's no coincidence we refer to, you know, things that uh, cycle via technology and seem to multiply as viral. I think ideas can be viral. Obviously, viruses are viral. Um, but yeah, I think that effect is viral as well. I think if you have a predisposition towards ADHD or depression, anxiety, neurodivergence of any sort, I think, I do think at least our social media technologies and like internet technologies seem to be exacerbating that to a phenomenal degree. I mean, I think we're the most, uh, I mean, I think we're the most like drug prescribed, drug addicted culture, at least in our nation's history, I believe. And I include drugs that doctors prescribe alongside cocaine and crack. I don't, I don't really make that big of a distinction between those because I don't really think there is that huge of a distinction between them. Um, there's, there's, there, there's nuanced distinctions, but not, not grand distinctions. Depends on which, which population we're trying to demonize in the most. <laughs> yeah. To me, I would, I would gently demonize all drug doing populations, uh, including myself amongst them. <laughs> Yeah, I, as somebody who is, has done a lot of drugs and still does some, yeah, I feel like I generally subscribe to the idea that, you know, it's something, some kind of dissociation, numbing, you know, there's probably something deeper uh, I'm avoiding or trying to tune out, at least for the moment, and taking a yeah. shortcut to get there. Yeah, 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 a shortcut well, to zoom in, yeah. Well, same, simultaneously doing deeper healing work ongoing and with some success. Um, but yeah, I mean, my focus of technology for, for many, many years has been around social technology, to yeah. broadly categorize it, but would certainly include social media, social networking, even the technology we're using right now, Zoom, um, anything like that, phone, cell phone, um, you know, the carrier pigeon, yeah, the, tele the telegraph, the, you know, depends on how far back you want to roll it. And um I, I have come to a similar conclusion in that category about technology, not, I mean, in general, of course, technology is a tool. Um, that doesn't mean it's totally neutral or benign uh, all the time, certainly. No. But in the case of social technology, I do feel like what you just said is true. Like, usually it's just exaggerating or exacerbating tendencies we already have as humans. And it's it also, in certain environments, cuts out lot, lots of layers, cuts out lots of emotional <laughs> Yeah, like yeah. awareness and reckoning. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we've tried to solve that in the uh, social platforms with like uh, emoticons and then emojis and like whatever, gifs and memes as like trying to constantly expand our vocabulary so as to provide some measure of filling in all those gaps of we, which we still haven't really figured out how to do. You know, and we have video chat, which is like, oh, in some ways you're like, oh, shouldn't that overcome so many of them? But you know, probably even better than I do, like what a what a shoddy form of communication as compared to in-person communication, uh, you know, a video chat is, you know, you're like, oh, good. You can solve all the facial recognition and you can hear the tonal shifts, all those sort of things that are absent from text-based communication. Um, but it's still nowhere, nowhere near presence. Um, 
And I don't think it'll ever get there, honestly. Who knows, it could lap it, but it's never going to match it exactly, only because I think there's far too many things, uh, ineffable elements to communication, um, pheromonal, electrochemical, I don't even know. Who, I mean, there, there are so many of just question marks as to like, what the heck is going on when we're communicating? <laughs> I like it in some ways. I like, I, you know, I've obviously grown up with technology. Like, I think we both had computers from pretty early ages. Um, I think my first was an Apple IIc, but I'd already played on my dad's like Macintosh at that point, like the first era uh, Macintosh. Um, and the one, you know, the like boxy one with the little, you know, came up a little smile, a little smiling monitor, black and white. And um, I like maybe like a maybe like an SE. Or a... Yeah, yeah. I, I was, um, and I've always liked the cleanliness in some ways, uh, removed from Congress. So in, I think for a long time I've had like a. a I'm an overly idealistic, I think we both have an overly idealistic sense of where this type of communication technology was going to be able to take us, um, you know, that we'd be able to essentially be like a uh, an anarchist's uh, United Nations, that the whole world would be able to really like get together, conference over problems, really reason things out thoroughly with links and blah, 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 and really figure stuff out. And like, and I mean, anarchist in the sort of the formal sense, I guess, meaning like uh, non, uh, new forms, new forms of uh, in, you know, interconnected self-governance or whatever, you know, self-governance meaning communal governance, even, but without a centralized yeah. government. I was like, oh, yeah. in some ways the internet can provide that for us. Like it's sort of our pre-Bitcoin, you know, once you have social media, you're like, oh my gosh, we don't, we're not going to name anybody. We should, we can, I mean, anything, right? Uh, police, police action, uh, quote unquote, police action, fire fighting, <laughs> you know, uh, international travel, bartering. I mean, it was like, that there was so much hope and possibility in early, I think, especially by the time Facebook came around. And I feel like people were, I was like, oh, wait, people are in on it now. Whereas before, even the MySpace friends or blah, 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 it felt very small. Even even just of the population that had uh, technolo technology available to them, which is a relatively small percentage of the world. Um, but I was like, well, we can figure that out later. <laughs> you know, we figure cost cost uh, to, to be able to distribute this to everyone. This could be a unifying force. Um, and I think some people still feel that way. But my initial hope, I think, has died a death of a thousand cuts at this point. <laughs> I'm there with you. Yeah. And I was, you know, I had, a, I, had, I had a digital agency when social media was sort of coming of age in 2007 or so. And... Uh, you know, attempted to make that into a service, like a billable service, and yeah. in some ways was in some ways was successful, and ended up being a lot of like training because that's I just believed in everything you just said, and like how it's not about us necessarily doing this for you; it's about empowering yeah. you to do it. Yeah, um, and there was that was interesting, but it, there was also a strange era of of people in a professional sense. People often were very dismissive about it because it mm. was confusing it was it was so accessible that people were very confused about why they should pay anything for it yeah uh, or or pay anybody to teach them about it and they were like well my cousin can do that and i'm like okay that's fine go go that route um so it became in my experience and a lot of people i knew just a very hard thing to offer as a professional service because mm. it, for lots of reasons um and now i don't know yeah obviously then since then i mean what that's been 
how many years? 16 years. Um, uh, you know, the whole thing's just turned into <laughs> a, a huge monetization network. And, you know, in some ways, I guess it is neutral in the sense that um, the algorithm, many of the algorithms, my understanding, are designed to just just feed on our attention. <laughs> yes. And, and, and so to some yes. extent, you could say, well, the defense, I suppose, is like, well, hey, we're feeding it. We're making those choices. Um, but I don't think that's entirely fair or accurate, given that they are preying on how human attention works and how yeah. our brain, our brain, like what our attention goes to. Yeah. And I don't think any of them could plead ignorance as to not understanding those factors when they can oh. literally see everything we're clicking on. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, absolutely. Yeah, totally. Yeah, it's funny. And well, you know, obviously with social media, we've seen them deliberately confess or we've seen direct evidence of of manipulating that, you know. Um well I'll, I'll, even onto Google or whatever. I mean, I, I just saw recently that Google's um Google News was, you know, its bias was recently rated. Uh, left-leaning by uh, all sides, which is one of, I'd say, three or four like media bias organizations that I regularly reference when I'm just trying to get a handle on like what I'm reading, especially if it's a source I'm not that, that familiar with or whatever. Um, so then we know, and this is maybe part of the, my thesis, is the problem with technology may, like you said, or we've been talking about, may not be technology itself, but who whoever's using it, uh, the programmers, you know? And, and I think in some ways that little kernel of thought is why I continually return to hope and i was like well no it's it's not the problem it's just how we're using it and i think over the past three years has really completely crushed my hope on it being that i was like oh no it's not only just how we're using it it's how we're being used by those programming it you know which is also i think fosters my general skepticism around ai as it's developing um and again the algorithm is feeding me a ton of stories on uh biased uh ai ai bias so Obviously, because I click on them and read them. So they're like, cool, we'll give you more of the stuff you like to click on and read. Um, but I am fascinated by that. But I mean, to me, I was just like, oh, no, the more the more comprehensively integrated technology we build with the, our own nature and or biases built into them, in some ways, we that I, I don't think human beings are like a net positive uh, contributor as a species. So I was like, oh, the net of this, if nothing else, is going to be negative. Uh, just being how everything else has played out in my life. Yeah, other th we, other th things I've been hopeful about, you know. Yeah, we were <laughs> we were just chatting about that. Um, I mean, I mean, first of all, this is a really critically important time. I mean, I, I do have some friends who who really are so much deeper in this space than I am in terms of AI ethics. And yeah. it's like what we are building now is the foundation for so much will be, will you know, is already being built on top of the foundation that's built in the last few years. And it's, you know, and it, and I, my limited understanding of how it works is like, it's, it's, it's not going to be easy to go back and untangle that. Right. It's, it's sort of, yeah. these layers are built on, built on top of each other and kind of expanding from there. So you're right. You're, there's no question whatsoever that we're building all of our biases into these um, AIs and algorithms and and what we were just chatting about with, <laughs> you know, people are terrified, you know, that, that of, of AIs taking over and, it, and it's like you and I are hopeful but cynical about the human species as a whole. And uh, it's like, really, what are we comparing it to? Like, what do we, <laughs> like, why are we so certain they're gonna do a worse job than we, than we are at governing yeah. ourselves and 
distributing resources and yeah. know, thinking, thinking critically. You know. I know. Is it is it going to be worse than us? Is the is the question? If it is, if it is going to take over. I think to me, my my assumption, I could be wrong, is that I'm not gonna live to see AI really even take over in any functional sense at all, but that its influence on our society is going to grow increasingly marked over the next number of decades. Uh, but as with social media doing, I think, a very similar thing to our society and the internet doing a similar thing to our society 20 years, you know, whatever, 10, 15 years before that, uh, is it is going to be a tool in the hand of those who run it, essentially. Um, I think that's what we've seen recently with like the Twitter files, right? Or Meta uh, testifying before Congress or you're just, or like whatever, reveal, you know, uh, whistleblowers about Google's bias and stuff. So you're like, oh my, we're being heinously manipulated to a degree. I don't think, I think everyone kind of sort of had a vague sense of, uh, or what was that? The Social Dilemma movie I know is super popular amongst Darius and Sundry people I know um, that were like, wow, we being we are being hilariously manipulated by this technology externally, let alone by our own predilections kind of manipulating ourselves. And so I assume AI is going to be very similar, that basically whoever programs the AI is going to consciously to some degree and probably even some in subconsciously in multiple ways program it to benefit themselves and or the future that they desire so i think that's what we're gonna I and mean, that's and i guess that's the big i think we're at a crux point where we're sort of like i see so many more people unplugging from technology in a lot of ways um even generationally um like my brother little brother he's like just turned 26 uh, he doesn't drive um he uh, he texts me twice a year he's on social media he posts things four times a year it's just like he's he's a he's kind of a luddite or whatever although he makes he makes like guitar pedals and stuff like that so like he uses technology but in terms of like these sort of social technologies um i know a lot of people are pursuing them but i see a lot of people turning to homesteading and just being like this is not we're I can't I can't deal with this anymore. This is not going anywhere good. <laughs> you know, I yeah, still like I like it. I like getting in the scrum and trying to see if I can bend, you know, bend the the flow of the river with a single stick kind of thing. But yeah, you know, there is a resistance. I mean, what was more exciting for, in our generation than like getting your driver's license? I mean, yeah, because that represented at least for me, just that was freedom. And I mean, it was funny. I was driving like two years before that in a little town in Missouri, but. You know, there was still the moment of like, oh, I can actually do this, yeah, publicly. Um, so I, it's funny. I just, I just, I'm not very like immersed in this, but I just heard this term the other day, and it's it's interesting to look up um, this idea of te technological singularity. Are you familiar with this? Yeah, uh, and maybe you know more, but I just this this is an interesting quote from Ray Kurzweil, who predicts uh, paradigm shifts will become increasingly common leading to, quote, technological change so rapid and profound, it represents a rupture in the fabric of human history. And Kurzweil believes that the singularity will occur by approximately 2045. Oh, interesting. That makes sense. I mean, I feel like the tear has already begun. I think the internet was the beginning of the tear. And then I think, for me, I saw the tear clearly uh, in this rupturing asunder of human Congress uh, in... The first time I found out how much of the internet usage was pornography, 
And then I was like, oh, we're, we're doomed. Oh, it's drive. It drove so much technological innovation in the video yeah. you know, video realm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's. I mean, it's like yeah, right. In that way, it's like the NASA of the internet. Um, but even just in terms of like uh, um, percentage of use, that oh, like yeah. still the most of the internet use is is porn is pornographic. You're like, what? Oh no! I mean, it literally, it's like we think we're these. I think it's hilarious because in some ways it's like, look at what we've innovated, the, the interconnectivity of the world. This is like the dream of the philosophers in Athens as they like, whatever, as they stroll through the streets and argued in the streets that like, what if you can argue in the streets and really come to understanding of human nature with anyone in the world, everyone in the world. I mean, this is this is transcendent humanism, right? This is Tower of Babel stuff. And then to sort of look under the hood and be like, Okay, and it turned us into chimpanzees masturbating in the corner. Oh no! Did you did you ever watch The West Wing back in the day? Uh, I've I've not. Um, my uh, RT, my wife has gone through it. I think twice. Uh, I've seen at least probably like a season and a half's worth of the show. Yeah, I mean Sorkin. I, th- I think his name has come up. He could certainly be sort of a, a, a another kind of you know progressive soothing uh, agent, I guess. Um, but. I just remembered this. I, I, it's sort of towards the end, I think. There's Leo McGarry, the chief of staff, uh, had some quote. And it was something along the lines of, you know, somebody was raving about the internet and how, how it was the biggest, you know, advance in human history or whatever. And yeah, his his response was something like that. He was just like, yeah, no, it's really just a more efficient way to distribute like pornography and fake and maybe a fake news or whatever he said. And I remember at the time, <laughs> really revolting against that, you know, shouting at my TV. And I was like, God damn it, he was right. <laughs> I know that's so it's so cynical it's just that like it's so cynical that you're like well maybe but maybe not you're like maybe we can do something about it and then over time sort of like oh gosh no but again I just again it's uh, technology throughout the ages as we've said a couple times now the general thesis here uh it is just an amplifier it's an amplifier of energies and so it's kind of re- a revealer of like coordinate energies I mean we are a species that yearns to reproduce so it is no surprise that we are especially uh, all impacted by that um i think the internet fosters you know pornographic use specifically because of its dehumanization of all human beings so that it becomes easier to sort of like just look at a, a person as a body or whatever that kind of thing um but as we've seen and i think especially social media the enhancement of dehumanization via social media which I think for me, at least in my life, reached a peak in the past three years, uh, both politically and then sort of in this sort of fascist sense, meaning where the government was directly manipulating social media to like vilify particular types of people or whatever. So then I was like, oh no. To me, once the government and once the government got in, like this, this finding out that they were this integrally involved, FBI, CIA, the White House, various and sundry politicians sending emails, that sort of thing, I was like, oh, we're we're pretty much doomed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or it's like this is this is there's again just speaking of like once you're once certain entanglements are made, you're just like it's just a no go. It's like when you um uh you know when you're you're uh reeling in a fishing line. Once a fishing line gets like too entangled on itself, then you're just like all right, I we have to cut it. Like I could try it. I could sit here for yeah four hours, but you know what? Even after the four hours, I probably end up going to breaking it anyway. So let's cut it we got to start over like in some ways i was like i can understand if there's some weather underground style terrorists out there who are like 
we have to EMP all of the essential. I don't even know how the internet works, obviously, but like we need to EMP every central server that keeps the internet alive. We need to kill the internet and it's kind of like, like let's let's see what happens. Like maybe that'll be our. We we need some sort of restart. You know, oh, but I, yeah, that'd be fascinating. But it's like we're already so dependent. I mean, how many phone numbers can, do you know by heart anymore? Yeah, I know. Or even even just map it. Literally getting driving around town. <laughs> we're gonna we're, we're gonna have to pull out MapQuest. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, you're like you're like no, you don't get it. The internet's broken. No, yeah, 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 it's broken. Uh, oh, uh, oh. Maps. I mean maps. Actual I mean, paper maps. maps. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and it, when I first moved to Los Angeles, they had a there was like literally like it's the first thing anyone gives you there. What's it called? Um, Thomas Guide. Uh, and it was like a is that what it's called? Anyway, it was a um, it was literally like a fat, super thick fat map, felt like a textbook where it was a flippable map of the entire Los Angeles area. And it was kind of yeah. considered an ascent. That's when I moved in like um, 2000, 2001, somewhere in there. And that was like an essential element of, of living there. And I remember probably in 2010 or 11, I finally threw it away because I was like, well, I mean, it's too late now. <laughs> and that's that's a kind of technology, right? It is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that was in some ways. And obviously at the time, you know, the people tried to restrict the printing press uh, as well because they're like, what are we going to amplify with this? And how quickly, uh, and how quickly, you know, of course, with that process, did we produce divisive material, you know, quite pretty soon. So that's, so I, that's the sort of sad thing. So I want to admit, I guess, or not admit, celebrate publicly um, that I have now been off of internet porn for more than five months. Yeah. Um, for all three of our listeners. Um and yeah, that that was a hard, damn thing to break. I mean, that it is, is tricky. That, that is a deep addiction, and I you know I looked into some of the way that that programs the brain, which is true of lots of lots of um, internet technology and yeah things, but but maybe more true in in the in in what it's the subject matter right is getting to parts of our biology that are yeah. just so so deep. Um, so yeah, that's that's been a remarkable journey for me, and part of it, you know, there's there's the kind of more abstract ethical considerations, like most like so much porn, you know, probably supports human trafficking. Um, but then there's just the more personal ones, like you know, how how am I showing up in my intimate relationships? Yeah, and how and how is this um, diminishing that or distracting me from that? And yeah, that's helpful. It's helping to be away from it. I think that's a huge element of, I think what I often think of is like the incremental or individual basis uh, healing method instead of blowing, blow, EMPing uh, the internet uh, is how do we foster like individual accountability of behavior on the system? Now the system is already manipulated. Um, I've begun to notice this with um, Instagram Um where it'll be like, would you like to look at this? And there's some stuff on Instagram that is full on porn like. It's basically like Zoom, pretty much essentially like zoomed in porn. There's a lot of like memes like that. Um, there's a lot of women, uh, at least the stuff that they're sending to me. And I was just like, this is recent too, in the past like four to six months, as it's just been like pops up and you're like, oh, things you would like. And I was like, jujitsu videos and basketball highlights and tattoos and then these sort of like porny things. And, um, so I know I'm being directly manipulated to pursue that, you know, um, but 
dehumanization across the board or ethical Congress in the internet. Um, I don't even know if it's, I was just thinking about this week. I was like, is this even taught? Like, is this taught in basic education now? I mean, it sort of should, like uh, my kids had a little bit version of this at their public school of like sort of ethics of like computer use um, from like a kindergarten and first grade sort of sense, you know what I mean? Um, but the ethics broadly of intercommunication, I was like, is anyone even helping anybody? Is anyone sort of like forming these constructs in such way that I was like, I know I felt bereft of guidance, you know, other than like divine guidance on how to navigate the the myriad temptations and then the ease too. I think I think pornography is a just um, whatever the the tip of the spear of the, the problematic usage uh, of technologies um, in terms of the internet. So it's just a good one to reference, and I think both men and women can can relate to that. Um, that it is a addict. It is quite literally addictive, um, and it's so easy. It's so it's it's so phenomenally easy. Like there's still an adult um, bookstore uh, in Raleigh that I drive by on a regular basis, uh, which is fascinating to me. It's like a pretty big building too. But I was just like, that's what it used to be like. You'd have to go to a, like, I don't think, or, you know, there's mail order eventually, but like, even in my lifetime that you'd have to go to particular stores where you could buy tapes, you know, or DVDs, or then you'd have to go to this like windowless building and kind of, some people might go there without shame, but the building is designed to provoke shame. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell adults only, and there's no windows and like, nobody is like walking in and chatting at the front door ever, ever. People are like getting in and getting out, you know what I mean? Their head kind of down or whatever. There's a, they're like, I'm, because because at some point, you know, you're skipping a step ultimately, right? You're just doing an imperfect thing, right? Perhaps you're indulging some sort of physiological need or an emotional need or coping, coping with existence, coping with loneliness. There's all sorts of like things that are right. completely, completely understandable. Um, but it makes it a, sh a sort of online, makes it very easy to like skip the shameful beginnings Although I was listening to that this happens chemically, this becomes a masturbation uh, or ejaculative uh, podcast, but that especially for men, that the sort of like dopamine run, uh, that sort of feelings of disgust after the sort of dopamine drop are very prevalent amongst men, just based on the orgasmic process um, in, in not just masturbation though, like at home, although it's worse there, but it also happens in sex generally as well. Um, and that can sort of be, what's the word? Um, uh, muted or even sometimes even nullified depending on the actual connection like if you're having if you were intimately connected it with, it, with someone you like exhaustively trust you know what I mean in a, in a relationship that you can sort of uh, tamp down or reduce that effect but that essentially sends us sends us into this like dopamine chase almost like adrenalized good feeling and then after it plummets us down past baseline in terms of our sort of pleasure chemicals. So then we're like, oh, right. we, we always end up worse than we started every single time. But Which keeps that, us coming back. Yeah, you're like, oh, I want the good feeling again, though. I want that again, you know? And it's so funny, yeah, I was off. I, I didn't look, didn't touch, click, look at internet uh, pornography of any sort for three or four years. I took like three or four years off of uh, masturbation as well. And then after I got sick, all of a sudden, just like literally having physical weakness uh, led to, in some ways, like a coddling effect of like, Brendan, you deserve a break. You deserve mm. a break. You deserve a break today. Um, you know what? Whatever. Just however you can kind of get through this time, uh, kind of like softly brought it back. So it became problematic again. So where I've probably 
visited some degree of porn. I do literary literary porn a lot or whatever. Uh, that's that was kind of my dominant. Like it felt like the gateway drug that I could stay with. Um, probably I don't know in the past year. Let's see what are we in? Or just this year, six, seven, eight times or whatever. Um, and it was probably worse last year or like more frequent last year. But it's a I mean, to me, I just say, I mean, I know it's weird we got to here, but I do think it's such an excellent crystalline sense of the sort of danger of technology in indulging aspects of oneself that are understandable, but less than ideal. And fascinating too, that like your timing times out with like fostering of a growth of healthy relationship too, you right? know? And I don't think oh. that's, that's not in any way coincidental. No, not at all. I yeah. mean, my God, it's given me, you know, uh, what I, what, what, in many ways, what porn was attempting to replace and really never did successfully. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's huge. Right. And not only like as a, whatever, even if I needed a temporary crutch or bridge to sort of get off the addiction, sure. but also a motivation, an extra motivation to, yeah. Yeah. Uh, to have a healthier relationship with sexuality. I'm, I'm reminded of, did you watch Euphoria? I haven't seen it. No. Um, a, a, a challenging but i think very good show uh and at one point yeah like the the main character just just flat out says like everybody watches porn just flat out blanket <laughs> statement and yeah like, and at the time it was true for me and i was like huh is that true for everybody so yeah to your point it's if if it is true or even close to true which i imagine it actually is like i feel like that we ought to be talking about that <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, absolutely. if we all yeah. have that much in common about one thing like <laughs> yes yeah you know? well it's funny too and i uh i had this conversation with someone oh i was just reliving this conversation from a year ago where a friend of mine we we're having a conversation about uh having drugs with doing drugs with your kids and uh and some person was like not liking that he had a much younger daughter he's like what about some people who never do drugs so i was like what about your kid could be one of those so as opposed to just being like well since you're going to blank Let's do it together. And he's like, there are people, there are people, there are plenty of people. And this guy's from New York City too. He's like, there are plenty of people who don't ever do any drugs ever at all. And I was like, it's actually a thing. I was like, oh yeah. I mean, I would love to know what percentage of people like have never looked at pornography. I've certainly met a number of them. Um, but like that's, and then that, but that's the sort of, I, also, I think it's probably truer than some people think, but that's also like a fatalistic, you know, tends towards some of the fatalism we're we're toying with too. Where it's like, well, everybody does it. And I was like, that's. I think it's important for people to know, also, that they know that's not true. That whatever you think everyone's doing, that you're like, oh, that's not that great, but everyone does it. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we can two thumbs up. You're absolutely wrong about that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In the I absolute to, sense. Uh, sort of steer us back to to AI. So you mentioned yeah. having a, an Apple II growing up. I I did as well. So there's yet another commonality in yeah. our upbringing. And I remember, I'm pretty sure it was on the Apple IIc or it might, maybe one generation later, like the 2GS. But there was this little program we had called Eliza, and it was mm -hmm. a a fake psychiatrist, wow. and or I don't know, maybe not fake, but it was it. It's it's interesting to sort of think about, and I'm sure there are like very technical like categorizations of of AI and yeah, what what was really happening. Um, but the whole point was you would it was just a little chat bot essentially, right? And then you would you would put in and it was named Eliza and and you would and it it was just looking for patterns, you know. It, it had some yeah. pretty rudimentary database and it would just kind of look 
look for certain keywords and then sort of spit out things. Yeah. But it's like, well, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's more more going on technically in terms of pattern matching, but my understanding of a lot of the AI that's happening right now, like generative AI is, it's just the database has gotten vastly bigger because we have yeah. so much more co computational power. So now it's looking at hundreds of millions of records and, and doing pattern matching on that rather than probably a pretty limited database. And and the, what that one was really funny back then in the eighties because you know pretty much it, it, the the main thing it was always looking for was the word mother, and mm, yeah yeah. Anytime you mentioned mother, it would just suddenly go into this whole script about like ooh tell you know probably just fed in from a Freud textbook or something. Like, <laughs> totally. Tell me, tell, tell me more about your mother. Yeah. But it was like reasonably, you know, parts of it were reasonably believable. You know. Yeah, that's fascinating. Well, it's funny because that ties together. I mean, I think that's. Uh, many people's concern with AI relates to pornography uh, and the indulgence of false human relationships that if already now that I think we're already in danger of suffering from a curated existence where we only a lot for a number of people that you only interact with people who agree with you within your tribe or whatever. And then what if you could essentially start interacting only with people who were programmed to agree with you or to love you or think everything you do is great. And um, and then even in the realms of deep fake and AI technology there that you can then have virtual entire relationships with with an AI. And I think this has already been sort of flirted with like her is a great example of the Spike Jones film. Mm, um, very good. But, but that's, we're not, we're not far from that. I'm assuming the technology already exists, probably just hasn't been quite synthesized, but then AI technology, that, and then you can also have like virtual or even virtual plus sexual experiences with or whatever. And then you can have like, you can watch porn, pornography or even like webcam style stuff of your AI lover or whatever. I mean, this all just seems like, and again, once the government got involved, I was like, we're screwed because it's great technology for any government to just pacify a population with pleasure, whatever. I think, I mean, just about every sci-fi writer, you know, right. not every, I shouldn't say every, but you know, I mean, we're talking at this point, the canon of, of uh, sci-fi, uh, you know, uh, that has dealt with this exact premise is, is in the thousands. So no doubt my, my thinking is, is colored that way, but I'm just, it just also seems very obvious. So I think that's why people do it. Cause it's, a, you know, people have made successful novels out of it, but it's also, I think they also do it. Cause you're like, well, it's happening. You know, the, 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 the literal government, our government, the United States has already used social media to kind of divide people and, and outcast some people and curate some people to kind of get a feedback loop of their and create a false version of reality. So then once you can start doing that more and more comprehensively, or just set a little, a little a, a super comprehensive chat bot to fulfill, I mean, a huge chunk of the population's existence, then you've given them, I mean, giving them bread and circuses is amateur hour in comparison. You know, yeah. I mean, let's face it. Humans are kind of a pain in the ass. So I, <laughs> yeah, just I, get, I, them, get, I, get them out of the way. I get wanting the easy, but well, I mean, human relationships, right? It's like, it's yeah. Like, I, I just the other day, yeah, like I was talking to somebody, and like, I don't know, we were just talking about gaming, and because I've gotten back into gaming uh, after like a twenty-year break, more or less, um, and it's fascinating just looking at that. You know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it counts the hours every time I log in. It's like, and I, I logged in the other day and I'm like, I'm at like 65 hours. I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And I don't want to judge that because I think in many ways it's been a very healthy like release. Like I needed more just yeah. like downtime in my life. Yes. And I, yeah. I would generally hold, especially since these are like strategy games that um, it's, 
it being interactive is probably usually better than TV because at least you're doing something. Yeah. Now, there's lots, probably lots of exceptions into content and how it's programming us. Uh, but this idea of, yeah, preferring, like you're saying, preferring, is, uh, especially as these get better, yeah. and as we're absolutely in our lifetime going to see indiscernible technology, right? Where we can't even yeah. tell like who, who we're interacting with. And then if that ro robot tends is programmed to kind of tend to our every whim and every, you know, pleasure need, uh, then so, so like, isn't that tempting? Isn't that alluring, uh, versus the complexity sure. and the, the risk factor associated with real human beings and all of their own yeah. trauma and, and complexities and challenges. Yeah. If you can deliver yeah, a more and more comprehensive virtual deity, to human beings, I think that's enormously attractive to the sort of deepest parts of ourselves. And I mean that too, I don't even just, that's why, you know, like as we glance away from pornography, that like if that has some tethers towards the not deep part of ourselves, but also tethers to the deepest parts. And so I think that's the that's the fear I have, um, or that I don't even say fear exactly. I was like, that, that to me seems the inevitability. Just again, out of the past, how the past three years have gone and how quickly people dehumanize others. So then, I was like, oh snap, then we're in danger once. Like once you can already curate your existence that much, once your, your existence can be curated to really start to eliminate anyone who would oppose you. I was just like, oh gosh, in some ways, maybe it'll make tribes smaller and smaller. <laughs> so then your interactions maybe will get deeper and deeper with those people who are closest to, to you. Um, but, yeah, I I think, but I don't know. Like rolling back to the matrix as one of the, yeah mothers of modern sci-fi absolutely like, you know they they just i think one of the reasons that was so successful is they really thought through so many pieces yeah effectively and one of those was like the whole thing about why this reality why the late 90s or or, or whatever yeah. the hell it was supposed to be maybe early 2000s i don't know based, based on the cell phone technology but like and then and they explained that they're like oh we tried we gave you a paradise and you rejected it there yeah. must be something about misery but yeah, it's like essential to the human condition. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, you you need it. Damn it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think this is part and parcel to as we have more and more curated or enabled curation of a sort of a self glorifying existence. Uh, mental health is through the roof because it starts telling you it's like there if you just do this and you do this you'll have all you need. Um, and it's like well this isn't all we need. We like we actually are primed and shaped by suffering and we're primed and shaped by adversity honestly i mean in some ways like i, I think i've maybe it, that's that's one of the reasons over the past three or four years hey i just felt like the times demanded it i've headed deeply into uh, adversity circumstances on a continual basis um because i was like we cannot stay in this uh, we can't stay in this place. It's not good for me. It's not good for anybody to stay in the place where you just like say things without response or whatever. I don't know. Social media is a good example where like when people post things and block all comments or they post things in their stories with no response bar or whatever. And I was like, I don't think that's healthy, man. I don't know. I was like, we we need each other, <laughs> you know? Or when you see a thing and you're like, oh, that's kind of a strange and controversial take. And then everyone responding only says, yes, yes, yes. And I was like, hold on a second. I mean, again, I don't, speaking about my mother, she is a contrarian. So no doubt I'm, I've inherited some of that. My dad is too. Um, so double, double inheritance. Um, 
you think I would have punk rocked and, uh, and, you know, rejected it, but I was like, well, it builds in a self rejecting premise. So it kind of, it's a, it's, it's fosters a, it fosters a continuance. Um, but yeah, but I was like, we need, we need adversity. We need people to no, but of course you can program that into AI as well. <laughs> Make sure you disagree and piss this person off like one, one forty seventh of the time, just enough, just enough, not enough to reject it or to unsubscribe, but to just like, just enough. And uh, man, there's just a, I think this is, and there's a crisis of people who are going to stand up against it. So in some ways I'm like, I think even just talking about this here is important because everyone needs to be as loud as possible, as often as possible, as quick as possible, as we're building, we, I think we're, we, we weren't loud enough when social media was happening, but now we can kind of see, oh, okay, this is, I, it seems very reasonable that AI is the next mass iterate, like reiteration or re, reorientation of how we interact with one another and receive information and information is disseminated. So now we better make a lot of noise this time. We got to ask all the questions real loud. Well, and it's, so I'm a big fan of Black Mirror. We haven't seen any new ones for a while. Um, Although Death Love and Robots, I feel like I mix those up sometimes, but it's it's become oh, like yeah. a reason a reasonable, actually even more bite-sized like surrogate for me. Yes, it kind of um, is, yeah. But Black Mirror like dealt with technology themes, technology yeah. themes that were quite realistic and quite within sight uh, yeah. for the most part. There were a couple that maybe a little more far out, but um and it's you know, I I, I like sci-fi anyway, so I, I'm kind of like into that stuff, but you know, so many people I meet just are like, oh, I can't watch that. I'm like, well, if if we can't watch the fictional version of this, then this is going to yeah. all happen. And <laughs> we're going to yeah. be like totally yeah. powerless. Like by then it'll be too late. Like, I know. let's watch the fictional version. If that's yeah, hard yeah, to we're watch. Yeah, we got to learn those lessons. That's what fiction is for. What the fuck? Yeah. What about living it 20 yeah. years from now? Like, like whoa. Oh, yeah. You know, so that always kind of stuns me. And at the same time, I, I think I get it in a way because, you know, I was, you know, I, like we both said, we, we were privileged and lucky enough to grow up with, you know, personal computers and things in, a, in an age when a lot of people didn't. And and uh, I've, I've always been into technology. I, mean, I think I still have the original, the MIDI connector for my musical keyboard from like 1988. Yes. You know, we, awesome. we tended to be a family that was, you know, always having a lot of those toys. And now I'm, I'm becoming more of a Luddite. Like I... Yeah. I don't have any, the only listening device I have is my phone. And I know that's a powerful one, but I, I'm not into those. I haven't even played with chat GBT yet. It's, which yeah. is, which is weird. I mean, that's, I don't, I'm not even like afraid of, you know, just using it. Yeah. Yeah. But, but it's like, I don't even know, like there's something about me that's becoming less interested in even experimenting with the things everybody else is. Yeah. I don't know what that is. Um, but yes, public service announcement, go watch Black Mirror. I know that well, Black Mirror is one of those shows where um, I think I finally ended up watching it because of a film student who just wouldn't shut up about it when I was shooting Looking for the Perfect Beat, which is a, at the time we were trying to make it a feature film slash documentary about the low end theory in Los Angeles, kind of a, an integral uh, beat scene, hip hop and electronic music fusion, Flying Lotus came out of there, et cetera, et cetera. Gas Lamp Killer, um, Toki Monster. Anyway. Uh, some kid was shooting that night, film student, and wouldn't stop talking about the show and was talking about it. We were outside the restrooms, just kind of like waiting for someone to finish so I could pick my camera back up and shoot some more. And then um, 
and then in the restroom kept talking about it <laughs> and then out of the restroom kept talking about it and then i we finished our conversation and he turned to someone else and started telling them about it and i was like okay this is wild and he really got me hooked because he was like oh there's one scene where they don't know how they did it where someone comes and like comes looks in the mirror uh, at his eye, his like, and he takes this technology out of his head or whatever. And it was like, but he's like, I don't even know how I did it because the the shot swivels around and is shooting. It was like, you should be able to see the camera. So it's like a mind trip, and it's already a mind trip in the thing. So it's like six layers of mind trip. Where you know, and I'm so I finally watched it. And then once I watched it, I became I realized why the kid was trying to be a prophet of it. I was like, oh no, this is a show people need to watch for like. Like in the same way you'd recommend a documentary, like the like the social dilemma, right? You'd be like, man, I think you really should watch it, <laughs> or uh, or like supersize me, or I don't know, Food Inc. or what? You know what I mean? Like uh, fast food Inc. Like you just like it's one of those things where you're like, oh, this is actually a pretty imperative document, uh, and this is a story, a cautionary filled with wise, adroit, and actually just well made cautionary tales that we should go ahead and learn from, so we don't make those mistakes. Um, which is so hilarious because most of the time I'm just like, this is a cool show. You should watch it. <laughs> Although I think one of the reasons people say, this is my theory. People say they can't watch Black Mirror. Sure, it can wear you down because you're like, oh no, we're doomed. The first episode of Black Mirror. I can't remember if we said this on the show before. The first episode of Black Mirror is the roughest episode. And if people just started watching Black Mirror and they couldn't get through episode one, and then they said, I can't watch that. I can kind of understand it. It is almost yeah. like it's like a crucible episode to get it's you in, into the rest of the series. So I would even recommend, I've even recommended this to many people, skip the first episode. Watch the first episode la last. It doesn't matter. It's in sequence. I mean, it's like I'm sure the, the people who created it are like, how dare you? <laughs> you must go through, you must go through the fire to earn the gold. You must engage suffer, you must suffer in order to earn something. And I was like, okay, you're probably right in that case. However, I want people to watch it. So I go skip the first episode, man. Just go straight to two. And even two is gonna be rough, but like watch one when you're done with the whole series and then go back and then. <laughs> or never yeah i'm two, yeah, two thumbs never. up on that never uh, is two fine. thumbs up on that yeah, yeah yeah because it's it's grotesque it's not even the best like ethical premise i mean it's it, yeah it's kind of interesting i guess but it's just grotesque so yeah i i totally agree with that <laughs> yeah um, and i know my influence by fiction because I generally think of fiction as more true than nonfiction, um, is my particular, you know, peccadillo. Um, but I do, I do need to actually, even just, this feels profound. This is like a revelatory moment. Uh, this is a breakthrough moment for myself. Um, I have tread so consistently the past three or four years in the realm of nonfiction. I've read far more nonfiction material, not necessarily books, although I've read way more nonfiction books than typical. Um, I've been trying to go back and forth between the uh, classifications, uh, but just having read like scientific studies and news pieces and think pieces and reporting and journalism, blah, 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 trying to sort of in some ways like fight what I felt like was the degradation of all society. Um, but I'm feeling in myself, this feels, this is just getting personal as opposed to instructive. Um, I need to head back into the realm of fiction in order to help, like help better than in the ways I've been helping. Um, only because I, <clears throat> over this amount of time, I don't think most people care about nonfiction. I actually think most people who 
even purport to care about nonfiction don't care about nonfiction. Uh, the, all the people I've been arguing with, <laughs> the thousands at this point, the people I've been arguing with the past three or four years, uh, you'd be like, here's a premise, here's all the evidence for it. And then they still don't, are unconvinced and unmoved. Then I'm like, okay, dude, I thought this was like, this was the standard for people and it's not. And But I think story... Uh, and it's not only just story, but like story can be profoundly effective story. And then, and, and a hopeful motivating idea as well. So not just, and I think that maybe can be the problem with, with black mirror is like, it doesn't necessarily give you the idea of a path out. It's just a warning. It's a, a beautiful, yeah. it's, by the way, just a yeah. te like technically, and I mean, technically artistically like compose yeah. it's, it's a genius show. Genius. I was like, I think it's one of the greatest sci-fi shows of all time. Um, easily. Um, and, or just one of the, one of the best television shows I've ever seen. Um, but we do, that's what we need. Um, and I don't have it right now. I, I barely have the energy to kind of come up with a hopeful enough path through this malaise period. You know, I still feel like I'm stuck in the watchman on the walls. Here's the real problems we have. Um, but yeah. that is, that is, I think that someone needs to, someone needs to, so I'm giving it to the collective conscious. I'm working on it. Other people need to work on it. Like what is the the hopeful path forward? And I think you've actually, you offer that with um, some of your work already in terms of fo fostering uh, communication, spaces of of gathering, spaces of unity, that sort of technology. I'm like, here's, here's a path. And I feel like this podcast is part of it too. It's like, talk to people, get in rooms, virtual or real, talk to people, examine yourself, look at your shadows, you know, look at your shadow self and see where it can be integrated and see where it needs to be denied. And where, where's hope, where is your hope? Where's your contribution? And where, how do you, how do you live truer and more beautiful on a day-to-day -day basis? So that's where this needs to head uh, because is technology evil? Um, certainly sometimes. <laughs> Oh, that's, that's, that's beautiful. I almost want to just end right there. Um, I, I know we've both read Ready Player One. Um, yeah. Ready Player Two does, does start to get there or, yeah. or start to at least kind of untangle it in a way that, that reminds us why that direction was, was not the direction to go. Yeah. I don't want to say any more than that, but what another author that I'm really just starting to get into is Octavia Butler. Um, mm -hmm. in the Afrofuturism for that exact reason. You yeah. know what, like, yeah, similarly, especially deep dive into racial justice and inequity and, and you know, yeah, I think it's important to to look at lots of authors and history and, and sort of turn that on its head. And at the same time, that doesn't tend to leave, that only, like, that brings us up to now and now is not <laughs> great. Yeah. So yeah, it's like, yeah. uh, how, where are we going, you know, where? Yeah, you know, so I appreciate you the nod towards towards my work, yeah. and like I can sometimes be an annoying optimist. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's good, man. I mean, we listen, everyone out and listening to the our words. You need to have a something approaching a, a universal theory of existence. This is this is not. We are not in a moment of human history, and we're, it's not where you can easily function without one. I think the, the tides are pushing far too adamantly in all sorts of different directions. And again, we saw this in the, in the pandemic period uh, that, that we're still in, but the, in, the, in the force of the wave, how quickly, if you do not have a premise upon which you are functioning as, as some sort of highest goal, some sort of highest ideal, some sort of actual like comprehensive ethic, then you will absolutely, by and large, 
get caught up in whatever the loudest pervasive consensus is, or even sense of consensus, delivered consensus is. Um, and that's not the way. That's not the way for us yeah. as a species, and it's not the way for you or me as an individual. So, so let's, let's work on that inner technology. Yes, indeed. Inner technology. That's it. All right. I love you. Love you. Thank you. Thank you for communicating with me via this technology. <laughs>